So let's open with a word of prayer. We'll dig into the word. Heavenly Father, we thank you, we praise you, we worship you. We ask, Lord, now as we go to your word to give us ears to hear what your spirit would say to each and every one of us. Lord, I thank you for everyone who's here, all that are watching on live stream. Lord, no one's here by chance. You know what's going on in everybody's life, the struggles or trials they may be going through, uh, loneliness, depression, fear, worry. Uh, Maybe they just don't even know you. Maybe it's a financial struggle or concern about the workplace. Lord, we're, good. we're glad to know, Lord, that none of this is beyond your knowledge. Lord, you know what's going on in every life. You love everybody here so much, you'd rather die than live without them. And I pray, Lord, now as we go to your word that you would minister to every single heart. I do pray also, if anybody here doesn't know you, that today would be the day of salvation. We ask these things in your holy and your precious name, we pray, and all God's people said... All right, turn your Bibles to 1 Peter, if you haven't already. Uh, chapter 1, quick background. So Peter is writing this letter. This letter was written around 64, 65 AD. We talked about why that's significant, because Caesar Nero is reigning at the time, and that this is the time where it really begins to get uh, a greater persecution on the, on the Christian church. And literally, Christians are, have scattered because of, of fear. It's when they're being fed to lions, Uh, being set on fire, being imprisoned. So their faith put their lives on the line. And a lot of times because of their faith, they had to flee. So they left their homes, they left their families, and the persecution often would continue, but the gospel also spread with them. So Peter writes this letter to them to encourage them on how to continue to walk with the Lord, to, to give them words not only of encouragement, but of exhortation on how we are to live as born-again believers, and most specifically in times like this. First, if the first uh, few verses we, talk, we talked about, just the, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, that we're to be sanctified and set apart unto the Lord. See, God knew before the foundation of the world who would be saved, and, and at the same time, we all have free will to choose to choose him or to reject him. And then he talked about living a life of a process of being sanctified by the Lord and walking in the fullness of the Holy Spirit. And then last week he talked about just the inheritance we have, the heavenly inheritance about being born again, what it means to be born again, the inheritance that we have. We're called to live holy and set apart lives. And if you have this uh, morning's outline, grab it. I titled the message, living a holy life in a polluted world. See, In those days, being a Christian was not popular. In those days, being a Christian uh, was responded to with great persecution. In those days, it could even cost you your life. Now, certainly at this point in our country, it's not costing our lives, but there's 150,000 Christians a year on average that are put to death for their faith. And we live in a time when more Christians are being executed than any time in human history. And so as believers in this nation, yeah, Making a stand for the Lord could cost you something today. For some of us, it's cost people their jobs. For some of us, it's cost friendships. For some people, it's, uh, you know, we, we get doubted and questioned because we continue to have church in the midst of COVID and things like that. But guys, we're called to obey and honor God, not the world. We're called to be in the world, but not of the world, to minister to the world, but have no fellowship with it. And we need to love everybody, love God and love people. Amen. And we need to love them enough to share the hope that lies within us. So how do we do this? How do we live a holy life in a polluted world? We're going to see five reasons why we are the most blessed of all believers. 
we should be living holier lives of greater boldness. How many of you, now again, I think New Year's resolutions, whatever, but hey, if we're, we're two weeks away from a new year, by the way, we're going to have the Through the Bible in a Year by next Sunday. We'll hand those out to you. I want to encourage you to read through. We're all going to read through the Bible together. Again, uh, I don't care how many times you've read through the Bible. It's not Moby Dick. You need to read it again. Amen? We need to stay in God's Word. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by. So if you want your faith to grow, spend more time in God's Word. But as we're going to continue to go through the Word, as we're going to continue to seek the Lord, should we not? How many of you believe that you should be living a holier life than you are right now? Now notice my hands up. Okay. And how many of us should be more bold in sharing our faith? Okay. So those are two things that are evident in our lives. And a lot, you know, the, the holiness issue, we struggle with our flesh every day. We got to die to it. And then the boldness issue, here's the reality. Here's why we don't share our faith as much as we should. We're afraid. Is that not true? It's fear. You know why? Because we're afraid of what that person might think, to, think about us. Or, or maybe we're afraid we won't have the answer to the, where did Cain get his wife, right? Things like that. And, and, and so there's this fear that we have. And guys, we need to fear God, not men. And we need to pray for divine appointments. I, I know I say this all the time, but I want to tell you, it's an absolute fact. I pray for divine appointments every day. And as I stand here before Almighty God, I get divine appointments every day. That is a prayer he will answer. Amen. Now, sometimes it's just encouraging another believer. Sometimes I'll go, you know, most of you guys know I have a full-time job. I'll go on a sales call and I'll be talking to another believer and encouraging them on their walk with the Lord. Or I'll get a phone call from somebody from the radio, or it'll just be a neighbor that I meet out at the mailbox. But there's always opportunities. Yesterday I was at lunch and uh, I was with a Christian person and I'm talking to the lady who's there about the Lord and the other Christians was like, enough already. Have we met? Hello? <laughs> no, it's not enough already. Can I get an amen to that? I love what Pastor Tim does. Go to lunch with Pastor Tim. Guess what's going to happen? He's going to have you praying with the waitress every time. I love that. What's your name? Hey, we're getting ready to pray. Why don't you join us? And I think only one time someone said no. They usually go, okay. And they're usually blessed by it. Amen? So here's five reasons. Here's five examples of things that should make us Again, realize we're the most blessed of all believers who've ever lived, that we should be living holier lives and living lives of greater boldness. Number one, we have the completed revelation of God's word. Do you realize that, that Christians, you know, Christianity and before Christianity was the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? Do you realize that it wasn't until the 16th century that there was even a Bible printed like this and getting a hold of one was not easy? especially in your own language. And usually, and so it, it would cost a great sum because printing was difficult. And you, you fast forward to our day. So all the people living up until that day had to hear it from somebody else who taught it to them. And often it wasn't taught in the right way. Guys, we have access to the word of God 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Amen. We not only have access to the written word of God, we have radio stations and places and online where we can hear the word of God taught. We have, you know, commentaries. I call them the usual potatoes, right? You know, usual, you know, commentators, right? So, sorry, the usual potatoes. That's what they are. So the commentators, we got all these guys and the men and women of God who have written down commentary on scripture. If you have a study Bible, there's commentary in your Bible. 
So we have more access to the word of God than anybody who's ever lived. Radio stations, like I said, most of you probably have many Bibles at home. Some whether or not you have a Bible, it's which one are you reading, which version are you? You got all these Bibles. So we have access to the word of God like nobody else has. So you know what that should mean? That we should be the most faith-filled, godly people who've ever lived because we have more access to that which makes us godly. Can I get an amen to that? We should be. Believers from the time of Christ had very little, till the 16th century, had very little access to the word of God. The Old Testament prophets says they looked, you know, they looked in a mirror dimly. They, they didn't see the truth the way we see it. They, didn't even, they knew there was a coming Messiah, but they didn't fully grasp all of it. They didn't understand fully the, the death, burial, and resurrection of the Savior. They just put faith in the one who was coming. And yet they lived holy lives. Lord, help us. So point number one, we have a complete revelation of God's word. Number two, we are closer than ever to Christ's return. Hallelujah. Amen. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. By the way, I mean, it's been said that God's waiting for that last person to get saved. And I said it the last couple of weeks, if that's you, let's get on with it today so we can get out of here and go to heaven. I just as soon have Christmas with Jesus. How about you? Amen. The Bible tells us that no man knows the day or the hour, but I do believe we can know the season and we are living in rapture season. Amen. Now, nobody knows when God could take us home today and he could wait 50 more years, but here's the reality. We should live every day in light of the fact that he could come back tomorrow or he could come back today. Amen. We don't want to stand before God with regrets. Are there people you, you know you're supposed to share your faith with and you haven't yet? It's Christmas time. Be about it for the kingdom of God. Amen? Make sure you tell those people about the Lord. Most of you know my son Mark went to heaven three months ago, and he had a list of people he would always talk to me about that he wanted to see saved. And some of those people aren't saved yet, and I'm going to finish that list for him. I'm going to share faith with those people, and I'm praying for them every day. And guys, we all ought to write down, these are the people I want to share my faith with. And, and start praying for them by name. And start praying for divine appointments. They might be family members, neighbors, coworkers, friends, whoever they might be. Guys, when this time has come and passed, only what we've done for Christ will last. And the only thing we're taking to heaven with us is people. Amen? And we can't be keeping it to ourselves. We're closer to Christ's return. In light of its soon return... We need to be busy about his work to take our walk and our calling upon our lives more seriously to get off the sidelines into the battle. Number three, God has called us to live holy lives. As Christians, there's no such thing as a little sin. Amen? And we're living in a time that we're making excuses for sin instead of calling it what it is. Now, how many of you guys sinned last week? Okay. Amen. We sin. But here's the difference as believers. As born-again believers in Christ, we're grieved by our sin. We don't make excuses for it. Amen? You know, what did Paul say? And I want to feel, the apostle Paul early on called himself the least of the apostles. And then the closer he got to the Lord, he called himself the chief of sinners. And so you've heard me say this the last many months and few years that God's put on my heart the last few years. And this is really the thing he's driving in, into my heart is holiness for me, grace for everyone else. 
I, I want, Lord, I want to live a holy and set-apart life. I don't want to have anything in my life that dishonors you in any way. So, Lord, be there any wicked way in me. Show me. I may, let's keep short accounts with God. Amen? We talked about spiritual maturity is recognizing the amount of time between when you sin and when you repent. It gets shorter and shorter and shorter. Amen? When you're really cl- walking close to the Lord, it gets down to a, a second. You know immediately, oh, I should not have said that. That was not Christ-like. And you're asking God to forgive you. And we need to recognize the calling to live holy and set-apart lives. We're called to be Christ-like, to live lives. You know what happens when you live a holy and set-apart life? First of all, if the Lord calls us to do it, He will equip us to do it. Amen? We're going to see it to be holy, for I am holy. Now, we're going to talk about holy when we get there. It's got a bad rap. When people hear holy, they think of certain things, and it's not what the Bible's talking about. It literally means to live a life that's set apart and honoring unto the Lord. It's where you get the word sanctified or saints. So we're set apart to live holy lives. Number four, God will judge us according to our good works. Now, whenever you say stuff like that, people get all, their necks tighten up. Because, but get, here's the good news. We're not saved by works, okay? We're saved by faith, Amen. But it's not faith or works or faith plus works. It's faith that produces good works. Amen? See, we're saved by faith alone and Christ alone. But if the faith you have, again, is without works, it's a faith that won't save you. Because if we've truly given your life to Jesus Christ, your life is going to change. Amen? It's not walking around, praying a prayer, getting the get out of hell free card, put it in your wallet and living like the world. That is not somebody who's truly been born again. We were spiritually dead. We've been born from above. We're new creations in Christ. The Holy Spirit lives inside of us. We were once dead. Now we're alive. Everything ought to change. Amen? And it should be radical. Now, look, it's, we don't live holy lives so people will be impressed by us. It's not about us. It's about Him. When you live a holy life, here's what happens. People will recognize something's different. And when they ask you what's different, we get to point them to the one who made us different. Amen? Amen? It's all about living a life in such a way that people want to know, why are you so different? I would have rather not had this happen, of course. But I can't tell you how many of my coworkers I've been able to witness to because they can't believe how my family is responding to my son going to heaven. They're like, I don't understand how you, I watched your message two days after. How in the world do you do that? I can't do it. Without him, we can do nothing, but we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Amen. Amen? And we need to have an eternal focus and no suffering is wasted. And everybody who's smiling in scripture suffered greatly. And when we give our life to him, he can do with it whatever he wants to do. Because it's not about my comfort, but it's about God molding my character more like him and for his glory. Amen. As believers, we shouldn't be complaining when we, if we truly believe, hey, my son's doing better than everybody here. He beat us home. That's what I keep telling people. They're like, How you, I, son, I, I cry every day. I cry a couple hours every day. It's hard when I'm in the recliner and he's, he's not there. It hurts. But I focus on where he is. And there's no more depression anymore. And there's no more, no more of those struggles anymore. And you know what? We're going to be dead a lot longer than we're alive. We're going to be in heaven a lot longer than we're here. And I already know that first hug in heaven with my son is going to take away all the pain of however many more years we're on this planet. And so we need to recognize that this is, we talked about this last week. Remember he said it's for but a little while. Remember last week he was talking about the trials of this life? He said, it's for a little while. And you might say, well, 20 years. Well, 20 years seems like a long time unless you compare it to eternity. 
And it's just a little while. Amen? God will judge us according to our good works. Good works are not the source of salvation, but they're the fruit of salvation. We will stand. Now, if you're born again, you will not be at the great white throne judgment. You will not be judged as to whether or not you're saved because through the shed blood of Jesus Christ, you've been born again. Your name's in the Lamb's book of life. He will never leave you nor forsake you. But we will stand at the, what's called the Bema Seat Judgment, where we will be judged on how faithful we've been with the gifts he's given us, like the parable of the talents. Some he's given one gift, five gifts, 10 gifts, 10 talents. And whatever you did, how faithful were you with the gifts God gave you? How faithful were you with the opportunities he gave you to share with others? As Christians, you've all been given spiritual gifts. All of you, all of us, and you know when the church functions at its best, because church is in a building, it's people, when we all use the gifts God's given us. You have gifts I don't have, and I may have gifts you don't have, and that's why we are able to minister to each other. Amen? So many of you have the gift of, of helps and generosity. So many of you have been so, such a blessing to our family, and I can't tell you how much I appreciate it. But God will judge us according to our works. And then finally... Why should we live a holy instead of part life? Why, why should we live holier lives? Because of the depths of his love for us. Greater love had no man than this, that he laid down his life for his friends. Jesus loves you so much, he'd rather die than live without you. That's the God we serve. Amen? When you recognize all the torment, all the suffering, all the shame, the fact that he left heaven and came here, Praise God for that. Amen. And he knew what was waiting for him when he got here. And yet he endured it all so that you and I could go to heaven. Because God the Father sent his son, I get to see my son again. Amen. So we should be so thankful, that, reflecting that the fact that he loves us so incredibly. You know what? And while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He knows you best and he loves you most. That ought to blow you away. Amen. He knows stuff about you. He knows stuff about me that we would not want to broadcast to the world. Amen? And he still loves us. He doesn't love us because we're good. He loves us because he's good. Amen? And you need to be reminded of that. The enemy will beat you up. The Lord is gracious. So let's begin. They're looking at living a holy life in a polluted world. Five reasons we're the most blessed of all believers and should be living holier lives of greater boldness. It begins there with... We have the complete revelation of God's word. Look at verse 10. 1 Peter 1, verse 10. Of this, salvations, of this salvation, the prophets have inquired and searched carefully who prophesied of the grace that would come to you. The old covenant prophets searched and hungered to understand and to know things that you and I have freely been given. They did not have the complete revelation of the word of God. Uh, most of the, of the Old Testament prophets, they would have the Holy Spirit poured upon them, some for a season and a time. If you remember, David said, take not thy Holy Spirit from me. As believers now, as soon as you gave your life to the Lord, as soon as you, you, know, you, you surrender, you said, Lord, you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, you will be saved. The Holy Spirit came to live inside of you. He's a down payment on heaven. It's ownership papers. He will never leave you nor forsake you. But here we have the old covenant, and they longed to know. God would speak through them and speak to them. But even when he spoke to, through them and to them, they still did not have the, the depths of understanding of the truth that we do today. Why? Because Jesus hadn't come yet. 
Why? Because all the sacrifices that were being made were pointing to the coming Messiah. When Jesus spoke in the upper room to the disciples, they still didn't get it. This is my body broken for you. What's he talking about? This is my blood of the new covenant shed for many for the remission of sins. See, we're blessed because we have the complete revelation of God's word. We, God's laid it all. I read the end. God wins. Amen? Sometimes uh, I would I watch games and, and uh, I, I like sports. I don't watch them as much as I used to because they're getting a little polluted themselves. But... I will record a game, and if I already know the score at the end of it, I'm pretty relaxed watching my team play because I know when we're done, we're going to win. Guy throws interception, I don't sweat it. We're going to win. Guy fumbles, we're going to win. We're going to come back because I've already seen the final score. Guess what? Whatever's going on in this world, we're going to win. God is going to win. And if God is for us, who can be against us? And we need not panic because in the end, God wins. And we win because we're God's kids. Amen? And that should bring peace in the midst of the greatest storm. Don't keep your eyes on the waves. Keep your eyes on the Savior. He's sleeping in the boat with you. Amen? And we're going to get to the other side just as he said that we would. They inquired and searched carefully. You know what? They inquired and searched with not as much to inquire and search through. How much more should we be inquiring and searching of the Word of God? I really want to encourage you. Get a head start. We'll have those things next Sunday. We'll have a memory verse every week from one of the, from one of the passages that we're going to be reading that week. I want to encourage you to get it, put it in your Bible. It's got a place where you check the boxes off every time. You, if you read, it's about 20 to 25 minutes a day. That's, that's one quarter of, of how much time you spend on Netflix. Amen? So if, if you read 20 to 25 minutes a day, you can read through the entire Bible in a year. And by the way, you can read through twice if you want. That's okay. Amen? But guys, they inquired of the Word. They sought the Lord. They didn't have, have it written down the way that we do. In some cases, they might have had the Pentateuch, the, the scrolls. But even those scrolls weren't everywhere. And they all had to be handwritten. And having access to the Word of God... It's nothing compared to the way that we have access today. It says in verse 11, searching what or of what manner of time the spirit of Christ who was in them was indicating when he testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow. So they had the Holy Spirit in them. So they had a level of understanding that the world didn't have, these prophets of old. But at the same time, they were still hungry to know what, you know, about the Messiah, about the Christ who was coming, and then when he would come, and, and what would happen when he came, and how, and how would people have a relationship with God? And guys, all the sacrifices they were making were pointing to the Messiah, but they were still hungry to know and to understand. It says, he testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow. See, they knew even beforehand that when the Messiah would come, they knew that the Messiah would come to in the world. But even the religious leaders of the day thought that Jesus was going to come, that the Messiah was going to come. What, remember on Palm Sunday, they were crying out, save now we pray you. And they thought he was going to come in and overthrow the Roman government. And he was going to establish, you know, the, the, the godly world government so they could live on this earth that way. And when they found out that he was not going to be a conquering king, but a suffering savior, in four days, some of those same people were crying out, crucify him. And a lot of people come to God with that same heart today. They come to God because they think, well, if I follow God, he'll give me stuff. 
If I follow God, he'll bring me that wife or that husband I've wanted or that job promotion. And they watch, if you watch enough Christian television, you'll think if you give your life to Jesus, you can just go out in your driveway and say, Cadillac, 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 and it'll show up. You'll name it and claim it, grab it and blab it, believe it and achieve it nonsense. You got pastors flying around in Lear jets, man. Why don't you take that money, buy some Bibles and witness to somebody, amen? We need to, get, we need to lose sight of that nonsense. But we live in a time right now where some people come to the Lord to see what you can get. Guys, he already gave everything. And we can't praise him enough for what he's already done. Amen? You know what? All our prayers should begin with the greatness of our God. When you hear me pray, just how God's, you're a great, holy, righteous, and just God. Amen? He's almighty, all-powerful, all-knowing, and he's my dad. Can I get an amen to that? Abba Father means daddy. He's not far away. And guys, we are so blessed. So we don't come to him to see what he can give us. We don't come to him making demands of him like the Pharisees did. Oh, you come rule over the government. Put me in a high position. I'll follow you. No, he died for us. I get to follow you. I get to be your son, your daughter, adopted into your family. Again, the Old Testament uh, prophets only had a glimpse of what we have today. Look at verse 12. To them it was revealed that not to themselves, but to us, they were ministering the things which now have been reported to you through those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things which angels desire to look into. What he's saying here is the prophets started to understand that the message they were teaching was not only going to minister to the people they were talking to today, but the people that were coming in future generations. My, my dad was very good friends with a guy you may have heard of, J. Vernon McGee, the Bible bus. Get on the Bible bus. And he would, my dad was a Baptist preacher, and so was he, and they were on the board together at a Christian college, and he would come to our house from time to time for dinner, and I still remember him asking me questions when he asked my name. My name's David. Oh, it's a great name in the Bible. You know, and, and you know what? J. Vernon McGee, I don't know how long he's been in heaven. He's been in heaven a long time. Guess what? He's on the radio every day. Amen? Because you know what? God used him to minister not only to that generation, but the generations that were coming. And the same is true with, these, with the prophets. That's what this text is saying right here. Look at what it says. It says, To them he reeled, not to themselves, but to us, they were ministering the things which now have been reported to you through those who preach the gospel of Christ by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. So we look at, you think Daniel knew he was going to be in the Bible? I'm going to figure it out at some point. But you know what I mean? These guys are living lives. Jeremiah, 40 years of ministry, nobody got saved. That's why they call him the weeping prophet. But you know what? Jeremiah, God's using Jeremiah to still witness to us today because he's in the Bible. Amen? And too often what happens is we look at our lives and we feel like we're not having an impact. And by the way, we don't have the impact God does. We just want to be tools in the hands of the master. We want to be available to be used by him. And whatever God does, it's God who saves people. We don't save anybody. Amen? But we want to be faithful. Amen? We want to be usable for the kingdom of God and for his glory. Guys, we have the complete revelation. We don't need any more books and there aren't any more books coming. Amen? We know that because of what the 
God says. By the way, all these other guys who have other books, they're always usually the only one who saw it and somehow it disappeared. It was made out of gold plates, but they lost them. Or some angel you never heard of came down from heaven and told them what it said. And of course, it, it told them that they were going to be gods of their own planet. That's really convenient. And it's not around. Guess what? Every book in this Bible, every letter in this Bible is confirmed archaeologically, historically, prophetically, in every way you want to test it out. And even by atheists and unsafe people in the world test have written historically the truth behind this book. Amen? So we can believe it and we can trust it and we need to read it. God, can you imagine if a meteor came down from heaven and it landed in your backyard and you went out in your backyard, there's this big hole there and on top of it, it said a letter to and had your name on it from God. How quickly would you read that? You'd be taking all your vacation time. I'm done. I'm reading this. I'm going to read it. I'm going to invite family over. We're all gonna, guess what? Here it is. Amen? And some of us need to blow the dust off of this thing, open it, read it, and obey it. Amen? Guys, we have the completed revelation. We're the most blessed of all people. Let's not take this for granted. Let's recognize that, and I'm thankful that, you know, uh, the church I pastored in Santa Cruz one of the guys that worked, I don't know if it's still true, but at the time, he, he was the guy that created iTunes. Something about living in the Bay Area, you get these real smart guys who work in Silicon Valley. And I remember him coming to me saying, I want to put all your messages on iTunes. I go, what's that? And he goes, he goes it's just this thing we're going to put on the internet, you know, and you can, you know, it's, I'm like, okay. And so he put all our messages, I was the second pastor in the world on iTunes. He put Chuck Smith on first. So they're on iTunes. I'm like, I don't even know what iTunes is. Here's the good news. God has ways of taking his word and using it all over the world in ways we don't even know until we get to heaven. Amen. Amen? And praise God for that. And recognize that every day is, is a divine appointment. I only get this day one time. And I want to live today and use it for God's kingdom and for his glory. Now we need to go to work, do your job as unto the Lord, do the things you're called, be a dad, be a mom, be a grandma or grandpa, whatever you're called to be, be all of those things, but don't waste one day and miss out on being used for the kingdom of God. Notice that the angels desire to look into. The angels are excited to see what God does on this planet. We know in the Bible it says when one person gets saved, all the angels in heaven rejoice. Amen? Now, we should not take this, we shouldn't be arrogant about this, but the Bible says we are greater than the angels. It's in the Bible. You know why we're greater than the angels? Because we, we had to accept the gospel. We came to this earth and we had to, they, they, are, they were, you know, created in heaven. And still you had a third of them fall out with Satan. Amen? But the Bible says we're great. So the angels are excited about what's happening on the earth. They're looking from a heavenly perspective. You know what? Uh, the Bible says we entertain angels unaware sometimes. I was witnessing to a guy in Mexico years ago. I was actually with a, a, some youth group kids. This was a long time ago. And we, and we were talking to this guy about the Lord. And I said out loud to this guy, I said, man, we could really use a Spanish Bible. And I kid you not, within 15 seconds, this guy walks up and goes, hey, you guys, I think you guys might need this. Hand me a Spanish Bible. And then I turned around, he was gone. Now, I, either he was quick, I have no idea. But the Bible says we entertain angels unaware, amen? And they're excited to see, when, when one person gets saved, all the angels in heaven are, 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 are praise song. There's a party in heaven when one person gets saved. 
So they're looking, they're looking down on what God is doing here. And guys, we get to be the ones being used by God. It's a get to, not a have to. Amen? It's way better than watching football. Amen? It's so much better. God is good. We have the completed revelation of God's word. They were ministering the things which now have been reported to you through those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit. See, the things that they did, we now read them in the Word of God. We now see how God used them. The Word of God encourages us. It strengthens us. It ministers to us. And by the way, nothing less than a whole Bible makes a whole Christian. And you need to know Leviticus is as inspired as Luke. Amen? They're all in the Bible for a reason. Come on Thursday nights, we're in 2 Kings. We're in 2 Kings 19. We got introduced to Isaiah in the life of Hezekiah. Good stuff. The Bible rocks. It's so good. And I want to encourage you to love the word. Reopen it, read it, obey it. Point number two, living a holy life in a polluted world. Five reasons the most blessed of all believers and should be living holier lives of greater boldness. We have the completed revelation of God's word. Holy Spirit delivered it to us, protected it. It's another reason why we know it's without error, because you compare it with every other book, it's without error, but the Holy Spirit's watching out for this book. Amen? making sure that it's not polluted in any way. We are closer to Christ's return. Look at verse 13. Therefore, gird up your loins of your mind. Be sober and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. It says, gird up your loins. What does that mean? Gird up your loins. I love this picture. And in those days, they all wore robes, right? And so if they were going to move quickly, if they were going to run, or if they were going to go out into battle, what they would do is they would take, this is what happens when you study so much that you have all your notes kind of memorized. Look at this. <laughs> Went over all of this and never even looked at it. Wow. Praise the Lord for that. Amen? Here's what he's saying. You need to have an eternal perspective because Jesus is coming back. And he says, because you have an eternal perspective, gird up your loins. Now, what does that mean? They would take their robe and they would tuck it into their belt. And they turned their robe into like shorts so they could run in battle, so they could engage the enemy, so they could move quickly. Well, guess what? As believers, we're not called to just walk around in holy robes all day like the Pharisees. We're called to gird up our loins and get into the spiritual battle and point people to the Lord. Amen? When you, we need to engage the world. We need to press into the kingdom. We need to reach out to the lost. Gird up your loins, the loins of your mind. So what you put into your mind is going to impact how you think. Amen? That's why faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. If you feed on the things of the world, garbage in, garbage out. Amen? And it's so important that Walk not in the counsel of the ungodly. We don't seek wisdom from the world. We seek wisdom from, the, from Almighty God, the creator of the universe. Why in the world would I go to anybody else when I have the mighty counselor? And as I always say, I have the teacher's edition. All the answers are in here. Amen? And when you're struggling, open the Bible or go to somebody who knows what the word of God says. There's wisdom in the counsel of many, but the counsel needs to be from spirit-filled believers who know the Lord. Amen? And too often we get polluted by the world. We start watching the news and your head explodes. Amen? We start watching things and it's just, you know, I, call, I don't call it the news, I call it the bad news because that's what it is. 
Jesus is coming back. When he comes back, what's he going to find you doing? What's he going to find me doing? Again, we should vote. We should vote biblically. But I'm far more concerned with sharing my faith and going to a political rally all day long. Not an amen in the building. (laughs) Our hope, our rest, our peace are grounded in the truth of God's grace. He poured it out on us as believers. And again, here he's saying, gird up your loins, the loins of your mind. So focus on that which is holy. Focus on that which is godly. Surround yourself with godly influences, not ungodly ones. Be in the world, but not of the world. The boat's in the water, but the water doesn't get in the boat. Amen? But notice what he says here. Be sober. Be sober. So we gird up our loins of your mind. Again, get involved in the battle. In the midst of suffering and persecution, tie up the loose ends. Be free to go into battle. Don't allow your thought life to render you useless and ineffective for the battle. Guard your mind in preparation as you go out to battle. And then be sober. One who's not under the influence. That's what the word means. Don't be under the influence of anyone or anything but the Holy Spirit. Amen? Heard me say it a hundred times. One more won't hurt. They call alcohol spirits. We don't need spirits. We have the spirit. Amen? The Bible says, be not drunk with wine, be filled with the Holy Spirit. I have found if you don't take the first drink, you don't get drunk. <laughs> Amen? Now again, if you have a glass of wine with dinner and you and your wife, that's between you and the Lord. The Bible doesn't say you can't drink alcohol, it, it, you know, but at the same time, I'd rather err on the side of holiness. Amen? Amen. I went out and got drunk and made a bunch of great decisions, said no one ever. (laughs) Amen? I haven't watched it in years. Flip through the show Cops. What does everybody getting arrested have in common? Drugs and alcohol. All of them. Amen? I want to be sober-minded. You know what's bad? The, The thing about it is the Holy Spirit lives inside of us. And, we have, and, and the Holy Spirit leads us and guides us and directs us. He gives us wisdom, helps us make godly choices. Under the influence, under the influence of anything, it's got to be God and his word. Amen? Not under the influence of the world. But one whose hope rests fully upon the grace of God, in whose lives we live in anticipation every day that Jesus Christ could come back. Rest your hope fully upon the grace that is brought to you. Let me define grace one more time. God's riches at Christ's expense. G-R-A-C-E. God's riches at Christ's expense, which means you are rich in Christ. You're rich. You have the grace of God. You didn't earn it. You didn't deserve it. Jesus paid for all of it, and he gave it to you freely. Praise the Lord. Amen? Grace is being given something you don't deserve. What do we all deserve? We all deserve hell. I just came to the church for the first time. I didn't like that. I don't like that. I don't de- I'm not saying I deserve hell. I'm not going to say that. Well, you, you deserve hell, and so do I. Amen? But while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And you know what? We get to go to heaven. And before we go to heaven, we get to have the Holy Spirit living inside of us. And we get to know that he'll never leave us nor forsake us. We have the promise of eternal life. So good. And we need to operate in that grace 
that we've been redeemed. We've been forgiven. He knows everything about me. He still loves me. Thought about you on the cross of Calvary. If you had a wallet, your picture be in it. That's our God. Amen? And he loves you. He treasures you. He was willing to give it all up so you could be saved. And in light of that, that's how we should live. Amen? He gave everything for me. I think I can tell someone else about him. Amen? He hung on a cross and endured the torment, the suffering, and the shame. Oh, I can have my neighbor not be real happy with me. Look, always be kind, always be loving, always be gracious. Do it in love. We're just one beggar leading another beggar to the bread, but do not keep it to yourself. Because I can think of a few things that will grieve us more when we stand before God and he's showing us our life. And here was an opportunity I gave you to share. And here's another one. Here's another one. Here's another one. Here's another one. We've all walked by him. Amen. And let's pray that we'd be more faithful to him. Time is short. The Lord is coming soon, soon and very soon. We're going to see the King. Amen. Verse 14. So the, the grace that is to, brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ, when Jesus Christ comes back, it's going to be grace. I know that my, son's, my son struggled, but my son's in heaven. You know why I know my son's in heaven? Because he loved the Lord. He gave life to the Lord. He loved the word of God. He shared his faith with others, but he still struggled with depression and addiction. You know what? But our God's a God of grace, not of works, as any man should boast. Amen? See, grace is greater than our sin. Where sin abounds, grace abounds much more. And if you're here today and you think you've sinned so much you can't be forgiven, I want to give you the good news. There's no amount of sin that you can commit that you cannot be forgiven. But he will not force forgiveness on you. He offers it to you universally, accept it individually. Notice it says here, as obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the former lusts as in your ignorance. We once walked in ignorance of the truth. That is no longer the case. Having been born again and are filled with the Holy Spirit, we should live different. Now again, I hate to keep using an example, but my son and I would pray all the time. You know, Dad, I'm struggling with this. Pray for me. And we would pray and he would weep. Dad, I just need help with this. Please, I need help with this. I struggle with this depression. I can't. Help me, Lord. Just help me. And that prayer. And you know, whatever you're struggling with, whatever that trial is that's going on in your life, we can bring it to the Lord. He hears our prayers. Amen? How many of your prayers did he hear? All of them. And sometimes the enemy will try to tell you, well, he hears, but he doesn't answer them all. Yeah, sometimes he says no. Amen? Because he knows what's best for you. That's why we pray to the Father in the name of the Son, in the power of the Holy Spirit, and we ask for God's will to be done, not our will to be done. Amen? Amen. But he says here, as obedient children, if we love him, we'll obey him. The Bible teaches us that the highest form of worship is obedience. To obey is better than sacrifice for Samuel. To obey is, so obeying God is a higher form of now, should we sing praises? What's the answer? Absolutely. And you know what? We shouldn't be able to contain it. When we think about all he's done for us, we should just be singing hallelujah all the time. Amen? But that being said, and Don McClure used to say, my old pastor used to say, Christians don't tell lies as much as they sing them. I surrender all, well, some, kind of, <laughs> right? Ouch, that, that arrow stuck on a few folks, amen? But the highest form of worship is obeying God. And you know when, you, when we really need to obey is when it's going to cost us something. 
Amen? I'd rather do this, Lord, but I know what your word says, so I'm not going to do it. I'm going to obey you. And you know what? You'll never regret obeying God. And you'll always regret disobeying God. Amen? He's not trying to keep you from fun. He wants to keep you from harm. Amen? It's not a fence to keep you out of Disneyland. It's a guardrail to keep you from driving off a cliff. He loves you. He knows what's best for you. He wants to keep you from harm. He wrote it down for us. He gave us the Holy Spirit so we could understand it. He put it in our hands. We have no excuse not to obey it. Not conforming yourselves to the former lusts. Again, so the person you used to be before you knew the Lord, you were a slave to sin. It's in Romans. We were slaves to sin. When we were born again, we became slaves to righteousness. Did you know the Bible says that? So we were slaves to sin. That sin was what we wanted. It's what we fed on. We loved it. We didn't feel bad about it. Uh, We just ran hog wild into sin. And then we gave our lives to the Lord and we became slaves to righteousness. And now we're grieved by our sin. If if you have prayed a, a prayer and walked an aisle and you don't feel bad about your sin, you're not saved. Amen? Because the Holy, the Holy Spirit's with you. So when you go to sin, guess who you're bringing? God. Amen? And he's not going to sit by and just go, I'm good with this. You're going to get the Holy Spirit head slap. Amen? You're going to get the conviction of the Holy Spirit that, hey, hello. If you're walking with the Lord, if you're walking intimate fellowship with God, you'll be able to hear him whisper. Amen? Dave, don't say that. I know it's funny, but don't say that. You can hurt somebody's feelings. Don't do it. Don't do it. Then you say it. Amen? There it is. Am I the only one that goes through that? Okay? Right? As believers. You know what else Satan will do? He'll whisper in your ear, God already gave you heart. You can go ahead and do it. You'll still go to heaven. It's okay. And then all the consequences fall on you like 100 pounds of bricks. Amen? Yeah, you're still going to heaven, but you've disobeyed the Lord. You've broken fellowship for the time. And now you've got, you know, the consequences of your choices. Guys, just let's obey him. It's always better. Amen? It's better to obey. It's better. It's a joy. It's a get to, not a have to. Christ is coming back. May he find us obeying. Amen? You know why we disobeyed before? Because we're ignorant. We're not ignorant anymore. We know the truth. Truth has set us free. Amen? Holy Spirit lives inside of us. We're born again. We're new creations. We have the word. Be not conformed to this world, but be you transformed by the renewing of your mind. Temptation, especially in the midst of trials, is to compromise in order to ease the suffering of persecution. See, in this, consequ- in this context, they were suffering persecution, and there was a temptation to not be so outspoken about their faith. Well, if I talk about the Lord less, maybe they won't persecute me as much. You know, if I'm an undercover Christian, and I just kind of keep it to myself. Maybe I have a Bible study with five Christian friends, but I don't share my faith with anybody else. They'll probably just leave me alone. That's what the enemy wants you to do. Amen? See, it's, it's keep it to yourself and hide it. And so, you know, in our ignorance, we did that. We don't do that anymore. But there's the temptation for these people. That, some are being fed to lions. I said this a couple weeks ago. If there was a chance of you getting fed to lions for coming to church next Sunday, we'd have a lot more people watching live stream. If the word was out, they're going to go to two or three churches in Thousand Oaks, round up all the Christians and feed them to lions. Oh, I got a cough. I don't want to get anybody sick at church. (laughs) Live stream. 
Guys, you know what? We should be willing to speak out loud for the Lord if we knew the lions were coming. Amen? Satan is a roaring lion seeking me to devour, but he can't touch anybody unless God says so. And even if he does devour us, we close our eyes on earth and you can't threaten us with heaven because we're going to heaven. Amen? It's priorities. It's, it, it, it's sad that you, know, you burn a little incense to pagan gods of the Roman Empire, keep your business from being shut down, be allowed to continue to buy, sell, and trade. See, this was the temptation. Or just pretend like you're still worshiping the false gods of the pagans and you'll still be able to keep your doors open. And you'll still be able to trade and you'll make sure your family has food. It's okay to compromise a little bit in your walk with the Lord. And sadly, it's a typical response of the church today. We see a little compromise of our faith is no big deal. Compromising your faith is a big deal. Every single time. Amen? Well, you know, if I do it, I might lose my job. Will God provide? Is Jehovah Jireh, Lord God, our provider? We stand for the things of God. We speak the truth of God. And you know what? Praise God, we have the opportunity to do that. They'll even say to you, well, man, you know, you're, you're just so radical about your faith, man. You act like, like Jesus is all that matters. Because he is all that matters. Amen? What are you, a religious fanatic? I've been called that many times. Jesus freak, that's another one. Holy roller, I've been called all those. I'm like, who better to roll for? Can I get an amen? <laughs> I'm a freak for Jesus all day long. Amen? You know, you're, you're a freak for a football team. Who, who cares? If the head of your obituary names the team that you rooted for, you need to get saved. Can I get an amen to that? <laughs> Jesus, 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 and more Jesus. Amen? When this time has come past, only what we've done for Christ will last. Those who refuse to compromise, you guys are just a bunch of religious fanatics. But you know what? The enemy will always try to draw you away person just yesterday going, that's enough. That's enough. We'll talk later. Amen. (laughs) Peter exhorts them to obey God, our father, to be set apart to faithful obedience to him, to live as one who has been enlightened by the truth and believes it, to leave behind the fleshly desires and compromise of ignorance. As born-again believers, our eyes have been opened to the truth. We no longer walk in darkness or ignorance. It ought to change the way we live life. And trials and difficulty are no excuse for ungodly and unholy behavior. Amen? As Christians... We should be praying for people we don't like. Amen. Did Jesus die for him? Did Jesus die for Gavin Newsom? Should we be praying for him? Can God save him? I heard that. Oh, yeah, I guess. Uh. <laughs> Just remember this. Saul of Tarsus became the apostle Paul. No one's beyond salvation. I, pray, I, I put on my heart, I'm praying for Gavin Newsom, Joe Biden, Kamala Harris. I'm praying, for, I'm praying for them all every day, praying for them. Can you imagine one of them got radically saved and got up and started talking about, can God do that? Yeah. But we also need to pray for, the, for our next door neighbors and our co We need to pray for them all. Amen? And pray for opportunities to minister to them. Point number three, living a Living a holy life in a political world, God has called us to live holy lives. Look at verse 15. We probably won't get to the end of this, so don't, don't panic. You'll still get home in time to watch the Rams lose. All right. 
But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct, because it is written, be holy, for I am holy. Persecution is not an excuse for us to act carnal and unholy, to become like the world in order to get out from under the trials and persecution we are facing. I don't think I've shared, I'm sure I have at some point. I don't share this with a lot of people. I don't, want, I don't like to see, I don't see the devil under every rock. In 2001, we had planted the Calvary Chapel in Santa Cruz. Calvary Chapel, Santa Cruz, we were literally two doors down from the headquarters of the Church of Satan. Santa Cruz means Holy Cross. It's a pretty godless place. It needs the Lord desperately. It's, it makes San Francisco look conservative. So I'm pastoring a church there. And in 2001, um, my son, Mark, the one who's now in heaven, was sick. And Lynette was sleeping in his room with him. And I was laying in our master bedroom by myself, and I felt an earthquake. And, well, you know, it's California. Okay, what else is new? So you get up to go get your kids, put them under the doorway. That's the right? Well, as soon as I opened the door from my bedroom, all the shaking stopped. I thought, well, that was pretty quick. I turn on the news. You always want to check what's the epicenter. No word of it. I go back to sleep. I'm laying down, and the earthquake this time is, is harder. My ceiling fan was hitting the ceiling, putting indentations in the ceiling. I jump up. I open my double doors. I get outside. There's no earthquake. And I'm like, am I dreaming? Uh, what's going on? So I get on my knees and I pray. I'm like, Lord. And I lay back in my bed and this is what I heard. And I don't know if it was audible, but I am tell you, I heard it as clear as bell. Quit teaching the Bible. I'll leave your family alone. Shared it with my elders, shared it with my family. And the enemy's kind of been faithful to that promise. But you know what? Our God is greater. And we're going to obey God rather than man. And nothing comes to us that the Lord doesn't allow to get to us. Can I get an amen to that? And we're going to be holy and we're going to obey God and we're going to be faithful to the calling he's placed upon our lives. I will tell you that right after our son died, my wife said, babe, if maybe you'd stop teaching the Bible, Mark would still be here. It's heavy. I said, you know what? And we wouldn't be obeying the Lord. Amen? And we wouldn't be faithful to his word. And maybe Mark wouldn't have even known the Lord. And now we know that Mark's in heaven. Can I get an amen to that? See, so the enemy is going to try to get you to, to dial it down. Dude, you don't have to be so radical. You don't have to share your faith. You don't have to talk out loud about Jesus. Keep it to yourself. If the enemy can't take you to hell with him, he wants to put you on the sideline until you get to heaven. He wants you to be indifferent, saying nothing. Don't speak up. Don't talk about the Lord. Keep it to yourself. As we talked about in previous week, trials have been placed in our lives by God. And if we allow them to, they serve as refiner's fire to remove the dross. See, no suffering is wasted. And everybody using the Bible mightily suffered greatly. And as we go through suffering, God will use it if we will but let him to mold us more into the image of our Savior. Amen? Now, we want, we want the testimony without the test. Faith that hasn't been tested is a faith that cannot be trusted. It's easy to say you love the Lord when everything's perfect, but how do you respond in the most difficult moments of your life? Do you run to the Lord or do you run from Him? We need to run to the Lord, amen? We're called to live holy and set-apart lives, to be sanctified ones. As part of the sanctification process that's conforming us more and more to the image of of our Savior, again, the only way that gold becomes more pure is they got to turn the heat all the way up. And the hotter it gets, the more the dross rises to the top and they can clean it off. And sometimes the only way we're going to grow in our relationship with the Lord is the heat's got to get turned all the way up. And we find out where we are spiritually. You've heard me say it before, that 
COVID did not change the church. It just revealed it. Just revealed where we are. Our flesh hates trials. Wants to avoid them at all costs. We can find a way to escape by any means possible. Lie if you have to, to get out of a trial. All I have to do is tell one lie and then I'll cover up all that other stuff and I won't have to deal with it anymore. Compromise a little bit so you can fit in with the world. Lighten up a little bit. Quit talking about your faith and taking your faith so seriously. The word holy there, hagios, while it is, uh, has its meaning uh, in part to be morally pure or blameless, the main idea is to be set apart. So it means to be morally pure or blameless, but it really means to be set apart. You're set apart from the world. It's that same word where we get sanctification. We're being set apart from the world and unto the Lord. Set apart from sin and unto the Lord. Peter quoting a phrase found several times in the book of Leviticus. In the book of Leviticus, the word holy is used 97 times. And it's a book you've never read. Amen? If you read through the book in a year, you'll be in it by the end of January. So let's get it. Amen? It says in Leviticus, Sanctify yourselves, therefore, be holy, for I am the Lord your God. That's in Leviticus 20. It says, You shall be holy unto me, for I am the Lord, am holy, and have severed you from other people, that you shall be mine. Be holy, for I am holy. Could be phrased, Be set apart from the world, for I am set apart from the world. Amen? Be set apart from the world, because this is not our home. We're aliens here. We're, we talked about last week, pilgrims, somebody who's just passing through. Guys, we, we're holding so tight to the world. You've heard it said that some people are so heavenly minded, they're no earthly good. I've never met that person, but I've met a lot of people that are so earthly minded, they're no heavenly good. Amen? I've, I got so much thing going on in the world, man. I got no time. I got to make money. I got to do this. I got to, you know, I want to be famous. I want to see how many followers I have. How many likes did I get? I don't, the only like I want is from him. Amen? By the way, if everybody loves you, you're doing something wrong. <laughs> Amen? Look, we should be loving and kind and gracious, but we should love people enough to tell the truth. And when you tell the truth, when you shine a halogen light into a dark room, a lot of people don't like it. It is not what the world votes for or believes in that is the authority. It is not what you or I think believe. It is not what the government incorporates as a matter of law or how a few judges interpret the law. The standard for, the, for Almighty God and, and His authority is God's Word and nothing else. Amen? I've had Christians say to me, well, it's legal now. Adultery's always been legal. So what? It's not biblically okay. Amen? We don't, we're not ruled by the, the laws of the land. The living word, Jesus Christ, the written word, the Bible, and we as Christians are to be set apart from the world. Don't have time to get into it, but, you know, I love Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Everybody bow. Music plays. Everybody bow. Everybody bows except three kids, three young men standing. What did they do? They threw them in the fiery furnace. Remember, he brought them in and challenged them. Who is the God that will deliver you out of my hands? We might be hearing that soon enough. Amen. Who's the God that will deliver out of my hands? The one I walk with all day. I love, it. I love what they said. Nebuchadnezzar, we will not bow. Our God will deliver us. And even if he won't deliver us, we'll never bow to this golden image. We're not doing it. We're going to obey God, even if it costs us our life, because we realize that this life that we give away is nothing. It's where we spend eternity that matters. 
Come and get it. Can't threaten us with heaven. Amen? And yet we're just afraid to speak up. I love how that ends. He went from, who's the God that will deliver you out of my hands? And the next thing you hear him say is, come out, come out, you servants of the Most High God. Because he looks into the fire and Jesus is in there with him. Amen? And they had to be called out of the fire because it's better to be in the fire with Jesus than out of the fire without him. Amen? Here we'll finish over verse 17. Let's read this. God will judge us according to our good works. Look what it says. If you call on the Father, who without partiality judge according to each one's works, conduct yourselves throughout the time of your stay here in fear. Now remember, these guys are being persecuted. Being fed to lions is a possibility. Dialing down your faith was a way to fly under the radar and keep from facing the harshest of consequences. And then he says this. Let me read it again. If you call on the Father, if he's your Father, whom without partiality judges according to each one's work, conduct yourselves throughout the time of your stay here in fear. For the vapor of time you've got here, you live every moment focused on the Lord and in fear of him. We don't fear man, we fear God. The Bible says the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. We shouldn't think about the day we might be brought before a judge here. We should be thinking about the day that we will be brought before the judge in eternity. Amen? I've shared this with you before. I kind of try to live my life backwards. What I mean by that is I often think about the day I'll stand before the Lord, and I know there's going to be so many areas where I could have done better, where I blew it. But I think about when I stand before him, what will he say to me? And here's what I try to do. I know then it's going to be too late, but it's not too late now. Amen? It's not too late now. We can finish strong for the Lord. It says, if, you know, since you call on the Father, having called out to him through his Son into salvation, being adopted by him, no doubt have cried out to him for help in the midst of this persecution as he's talking to the church that has been scattered. He said, He'll judge without partiality. The judgment is not a reference to salvation because we've already been saved, believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, but it's a judgment of how faithful you've been with the gifts that God has given you. As Christians, we do indeed have the promise of heaven, but our privileged status as sons and daughters is not permission to live lives of undisciplined carnality. Amen? Because you're born again to me, I'm just going to go live like the world and then call out to God in the last minute. I'm going to I know he's forgiven me. I'm good. I don't have to worry about this anymore. But the reality is, here's the reality. Let me say this. If you really love God, it shouldn't even be a question for you whether or not you want to obey him. Amen? If you really love him, you want to obey him. If you really love him, you want to serve him. If you really love him, you want to share your faith with others. Look, I love my family. I love introducing my kids. I, I'm Sad, I'll never get to introduce Mark again. I love introducing my sons. I love introducing my daughter, my grandkids. Why? Because I love them. You know what? I love Jesus more. We should be willing to introduce them to other people that need him. Amen? Not be ashamed of it. We should not live like spoiled children who take for granted all that God has done for us, but as grateful children who love, honor, respect God, and desire to walk in faithful obedience to him. And again, he says there to finish off, conduct yourselves throughout the time you stay here in fear the truth that he will indeed one day judge our works should produce a walk of sobriety and holiness, knowing that uh, a return to carnality would be heartbreaking to the Lord, but also have repercussions in our lives. When the enemy draws you back, he makes it sound like it's no big deal. And then as soon as you've done it, he laughs at you. 
and then you see the consequences of it, and you're heartbroken. The good news is you can take a million steps away from God. It's only one step back. When we repent, when we turn back around, he's a faithful God. The fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. We must never cheapen God's grace to the point that we believe our actions are irrelevant. Our time here is temporary. Let's use this time, this brief time, to honor him. Let's use this time for his kingdom and his glory. I want to see heaven full. Amen? I want, to see, I want to see everybody I know in heaven. My prayer is that nobody here today would leave here without him. Persecuted believers, again, the temptation was to blend into the crowd, to slip back into carnality, to doubt or question God's plan, even his love and his grace. The Lord has called us to trust him, to obey him, to praise him. It took me a while. It's still hard. But I thank the Lord for taking my son to heaven. Thanked him. Thank you. You delivered my son home. I'll see him again. Boy, do I miss that boy every day, every minute. But we have a loving Heavenly Father who loves my son more than I do, and that blows me away. But you know what? The Lord loves each and every one of you so much, he'd rather die than live without you. And my prayer is you don't leave here the same way we've always been. That we would be more in love with the Lord. To know Him better is to love Him more. Here's what's going to happen if you read the Bible this year. If you read the Bible through in a year and you spend time in prayer, here's what's going to happen. You're going to change. The more time you spend in God's Word, the more faith you have. The more faith you have, the more your priorities change. The more your passions change. People will say to pastors all the time, I wish I had faith like you. You can. Read the Bible as much as we do. There's no secret about it. Amen? If you want to have a close, intimate, faith comes by hearing and hearing by word of God. That's why it's the theme verse of the church. It's right there. Why? So that we would be mindful to, to when you wake up in the morning. Isn't it hard to open your Bible sometimes? Because anybody going to admit that? I used to tell people, it's like going to the gym. When I was younger, you never know now, but I was a competitive bench press guy. And I'd go to the gym four hours a day, six days a week and all that kind of stuff. And, I, and sometimes, you know, when you come home from work, you just want to plop in a chair and eat a bag of chips and watch something, right? Just, uh, right? It's true. I'm, I'm being transparent. It's real. But getting to the gym was often hard for me. But once I got there, I was always glad I went. The same can be true for your Bible. The enemy will distract you with anything to keep you from opening your Bible. And you know what? Sometimes it's hard to get it open. But once you open the Bible, you never regret having opened it. Amen? And that's why it's important to set aside a time each day. I'm going to read my Bible, you know, and Lord, help me. You know, have devotions with your wife, your husband. Have, you know, set something up where you can be in the Word of God daily. Because if we want our faith to grow, if we want to be more on fire for God, if we want to be able to endure the temptations of this world, if we want to live holy and set-apart lives, if we want to reach a lost and dying world with the truth of the gospel, we need to spend more time in prayer, more time in God's Word, and more time ministering to other people. Amen? Lord, we thank you, we praise you, we love you. You are indeed a great and an awesome God. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the exhortation we received this morning to live holy and set apart lives, to be different than the world around us. We're thankful, Lord, that you've given us the Holy Spirit, that you've, you comfort us when we need to be comforted, you convict us when we need to be convicted. We thank you for the word of God, that you wrote it all down for us. You gave us the Holy Spirit to help us understand it when we read it. We thank you for the tools you've given us to better understand your word. Lord, we thank you 
for the blessing of being able to call you Abba. You're our dad and you love us. And we thank you, Lord, for the promise of eternal life. And Lord, may we not keep it to ourselves. The most selfish thing we can do is go to heaven by ourselves. Help us, Lord, to reach out to the lost world around us. If you're here today and you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, the Bible says if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, you will be saved to the glory of the Father. Salvation is not based on good works, but great grace. Jesus loves you so much, you'd rather die than live without you. The Bible says if you confess me before men, I'll confess you before my Father in heaven. If you deny me before men, I'll deny you before my Father in heaven. This is a moment, if you've never given your life to the Lord, the Lord's drawing you by his Holy Spirit. And I just wanna encourage you, just raise your hand right where you are and we'll pray together. We'll pray right now. And you can know for sure that you're, if you're truly sincere, not just praying to get out, get out of hell free car, but you're ready to surrender your life, to put Jesus Christ on the throne, to not just make him savior, but make him your Lord. If that's your desire, just raise your hand right where you are and I'll pray with you. Anybody at all, God bless you. God bless you. Anybody else? Today be the day of salvation. The Lord sees you. You have your hand up. God bless you. Confessing him before men. He'll confess you before his Father in heaven. Anybody else? Lord, I thank you for these that have raised their hands. And Lord, I just pray that they would pray with me. If you raise your hand, you pray this with me out loud. Pray it in your heart. God will hear you. Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you this morning. And I confess that I'm a sinner. Please forgive me. I believe that Jesus Christ is God, that he died on the cross and he rose from the dead. Thank you, Lord. Lord, fill me with your Holy Spirit. Help me to surrender my life fully to you. Thank you for the promise in your word that I'm now your adopted son. We ask these things in Jesus' name. And all God's people said,